Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen. Thank you, Tina. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see everybody. Good morning. Looking good today. Oh, man, don't miss next week. Levi Hugg's going to be here. He's just like one of my favorite people in the whole world. And as, as uh, Diane said, he is a friend of, of Awaken Life Church, and I believe you're going to be blessed. He's an awesome um, man of God, and I believe God sent him to be a part of, of what we're doing here. All right. An old geezer who had been a retired farmer for a long time became very bored and decided to open a medical clinic. He put a sign up outside that said, Dr. Geezer's Clinic. Get your treatment for $500. If not cured, get back $1,000. So Dr. Young, who was positive that this old geezer didn't know anything about medicine, thought that this would be a great opportunity to get $1,000. So he went to Dr. Geezer's Clinic, and this is what transpired. Dr. Geezer... I have lost all taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Geezer says, Nurse, please bring medicine from box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young screams, Ah, that's gasoline. Congratulations, says Dr. Geezer. You've got your taste back. That'll be $500. Dr. Young gets annoyed and goes back after a couple of days figuring to recover his money. I have lost my memory, he says. I cannot remember anything. Nurse, please bring medicine from box 22 and put three three drops in the patient's mouth. Oh, no, you don't. That's gasoline. Congratulations. You got your memory back. That'll be $500. Dr. Young, after having lost $1,000, leaves angrily and comes back after several more days Dr. Young says, my eyesight has become weak. I can hardly see. Dr. Geezer says, well, I don't have any medicine for that, so here's your $1,000 back. Dr. Young says, but this is only $20. Congratulations. (laughs) You got your vision back. That'll be $500. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you for uh, your presence. Father, we just pray that you are just giving us an open heart to receive from you this morning. God, we want to follow you. Jesus, we want to be more like you. Holy Spirit, we want to hear your voice. We want to become the people that you've created us to be. We know that time is short, this life is short, and we don't want to waste time walking outside of things that you've asked us to do, but we want to step into the fullness of our identity and everything that you've called us to do. So God, speak to us today. We just pray today is an advancement to become closer to you, to become more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. A lamb doesn't know the voice of the shepherd when they're young or when they're born but they know the voice of the mother lamb, the you. And through walking with the mother you, 
and spending time with the mother ewe, they learn to discern the voice of the shepherd. So this is, this is a beautiful picture of spiritual fathering and mothering. So those of us who have learned to hear the voice of the shepherd need to help those who are younger in the faith learn to hear and discern his voice as we walk with them. So there comes a point in our lives where we all need to transition from just being sons and daughters. We'll always stay sons and daughters. But we transition from just being sons and daughters into becoming spiritual mothers and fathers. And I believe that spiritual mothers and fathers are sorely missing in the body of Christ today. And there's multiple reasons for this, and we're going to talk about some of those in a minute. But I believe that spiritual mothers and fathers are, are so important, and they're sorely missing today in our culture and even in the church. So we all start out as sons and daughters, and our job in this phase is just to be loved. Just to be loved, to be loved, to learn, and to grow. I mentioned um, Tom and Becky last week, and I mentioned their brand new little baby who's just like the sweetest, cutest little thing you'll ever see. And there's literally nothing, there she is, there's literally nothing that she can do for mom and dad. Her role in life is, is solely to receive, to receive love, to receive care, to receive nurture, and to be adored. That's, that's a good job. Because <laughs> there's nothing she can do. So we, this is how we all come into the faith. We come into the faith and our job is there's nothing we can do for God. It's really just to be loved, just to be nurtured, to be cared for, to grow, and to be adored by him. So we start out in the faith absolutely loved, absolutely adored by the Father, and there's really not much we can do for him. But as we mature, we eventually need to grow into this role where it's not just about us receiving, and we're actually growing into this role where we're going to become spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, and that we have something to give. I want to tell you a story. So I, I used to play basketball every single week with a group of men. And around when I turned 40 years old, I had a, uh, a rep, uh, I had a realization, and the realization was that a lot of the guys that I played basketball with, I was old enough to be their dad. And it was interesting. It was like God uses these little things in our life that happen uh, to like speak to us. And it was like God was speaking to me through this, and I began to realize that I was in this transitional season of not just being a son and receiving, but I was in this transitional season of, of needing to become a spiritual father. And you don't need to be 40 years old or more to be a spiritual father, but that's just the way my life was and the way my life transpired. And I, I remember around that time, I heard Bill Johnson say something that, that stuck with me, and it was right around the same time. He said that brothers compete, but fathers celebrate. And I realized that there was this competition still in me and that I needed to transition from competition to celebration to more of a father role with people around me in my life. I want to read a few verses from Numbers chapter 8. If 
if you want to go there, it's Numbers 8, verses 23 through 26. I'll give you a moment. Numbers 8, I'm going to start in verse 23. It's this interesting little passage. It says, the Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites, men 25 years old or more shall come to take part in the work at the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. This, then, is how you are to assign the responsibilities of the Levites. So basically, the Lord was saying this. Men aged 25 through 49 were to do the work, but at age 50, your role changed from doing the work to assisting the next generation. So how many know assisting in this fashion didn't mean that these older men that had been doing the work for all these years became the younger men's assistants? That, that's not what it meant. That wouldn't make sense on any level. I mean, they knew how to do the work far better than these younger men. They've been doing the work. So I, I believe assisting looked like mentoring, fathering, teaching them how to do the work in the tent of meeting, which for us would represent teaching them how to walk with God and do the work of ministry. I was watching this interview recently with a pastor. He was an, is an older gentleman. And he said that when he turned 65, he came across this passage that we just read. And he believed that the Lord spoke to him and said that he was no longer to pastor the church, but that his primary role at that point was to walk with men, father them, and help raise up the next generation. And he, and he took the challenge. He stepped down from pastoring his church. And he, he said, my role is to walk with men and raise up the next generation. At some point, we all need to transition from just being sons and daughters into becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. And I believe that I believe that this is a message that God is speaking to us today, and he's kind of rearranging some furniture in our church. The foundation's not changing. Foundation's the same. Our vision's not changing. The mission doesn't change. But it's like he's kind of just shifting some furniture around. It's interesting. A lot of times what's happening in the natural seasons will be a parallel to what God's doing spiritually. And lately we've been having these monsoons. And with the monsoons, the winds come, and a lot of times, you know, things get rearranged with the winds. And there's, there was this huge tree in our neighborhood that got blown, that got blown down. And it was laying in the road. And I remember I took my little boys on a walk, and my two-year-old was like, so impacted by this big tree. He was like, tree fall down, tree fall down. And for like days, he was like talking about it. He was like, we weren't even around it. He was at home. He was like, tree fall down, tree fall down. He was like thinking about it. So we see when the monsoons come, you know, when the rains come, it brings a tremendous amount of nourishment to the trees and the plants. But when it comes, it's kind of messy, it's like there's mud puddles, and it's kind of dirty, and the wind's blown things around. And so I, I feel like we're in a, a season where God is speaking this message about spiritual mothering and fathering. A lot of churches stay away from this. 
but I feel like God's calling us into it. So at some point, we need to transition from just being sons and daughters into becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. Now, we see examples of this in the Word with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are all great examples of fathering, mentoring, and blessing the next generation. We see this with Elijah and Elisha. We certainly see this with Jesus and the 12 disciples. And we see this with Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, and especially we see it with Paul and Timothy. So as spiritual mothers and fathers, we're never to control. Our role is not to make decisions for people but to bless, to encourage, to mentor, and to equip. So what does this look like? Some of you might be thinking in your, in your heart right now or in your mind, I'm, I might be actually willing to do this for someone, but I'm not even sure what that looks like, and I've never received that for myself. So what does this look like? The beautiful thing is even if we haven't received this for ourselves, in the Lord, God can take us into doing things that we never received. He can actually cause us to become spiritual fathers and mothers, even if we've never received that. So what does this look like? What does it mean to be a spiritual father, to be a spiritual mother? Number one, it's a true friendship. It's a true equal friendship where you walk together with someone. If you were wanting to climb Mount Everest and you hired a guide, let's say you paid him $5,000 and you show up to base camp and he says, hey, I got you this book. It's all about mountaineering. Here you go. I also, last night, I found this really cool thing on the internet article. Ten things you should know about mountaineering. I printed it out for you. Here you go. Here's your map. This is places you're going to stop. Go get them, tiger. There's the mountain. Go. How many would be expecting that if you, if you showed up? I'd be like, you're, no, you're going with me. I'm not going without you. <laughs> because I need to go with someone that's already gone. So no, when you show up and you have a guide, they go with you. They go with you. And the interesting thing about that is they share the risk. There's risk in climbing Everest. A lot of people die climbing Everest. And they go with you and they share the risk with you. They go ahead of you. You're following them. So it's a true friendship where we walk together with someone a great spiritual father or mother says, Let's, let me walk with you. You need a friend on this journey. Let's go together. Let's go together. How many have heard this quote? If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. How many want to go far? We want to go. This is a marathon. We don't want to go fast and burn out. We want to make it the whole marathon. We want to go the distance. We need people who will walk together with us as 
friends. Isn't God both father and friend? He's father and friend. So it's true friendship, number one. Number two, it is fathering. But we need a good definition of what a father is. A father is not controlling. A father blesses. That's the role of a father. A father protects, guides, and provides. Now, sometimes when you say, and this is one of the reasons why we don't see this in, in certain cultures, is because even saying the word fathering can trigger people because they had a bad father experience. They're like, nope, I don't need that. Been there, done that. The first time wasn't too fun. So if that's you, I encourage you, go read the story of the prodigal son. The father in the story of the prodigal son is what it looks like to father. He didn't control the son. He let him go. And when he came back, he was there to provide, to nurture, and to guide. This is what a good father does. So it's true friendship. It's fathering. And lastly, they're also a brother or a sister. When I, by the way, all, all day long, when I'm saying fathering, I want you to hear fathering and mothering. If I don't say mothering, I'm talking about fathering and mothering. I said all day long because this is a five-hour message, so <laughs> buckle up. They're also a brother or sister. Now, this one is really key because there's so many ways that this can go wonky. And this, again, this is why a lot of churches don't even touch this. Because there's so many ways that this can go wonky. It gets wonky when it becomes about control. It gets wonky when it's about someone trying to make you like them. It gets wonky when people are leading people to themselves and not constantly directing people to God, pointing them to God. We know that we're in this together and that we're brothers with them. We're sisters with them. We have the same father. This is why we're brothers and sisters. We have the same father. And we're vulnerable even in, even in our mentoring that's like, hey, I'm, I'm just doing life like you are. And we both answer to God. Like, he's the source. I'm not the source. I'm here to guide, protect, love, encourage, bless. But I'm not the source. I'm, I'm a son like you. Does that make sense? So this is what this looks like. True friendship, fathering, and it's also a brother or sister that walks with you. Now we can affirm them. We can encourage them, bless them, but we never become their source. God is their source. And there's something about remaining a brother to them where we aren't trying to become the source, but we're constantly directing them to source. Our job is to take their hand and put it in the Father's hand. So our role as spiritual fathers and mothers is to walk with them as friend, father, and brother, or friend, mother, and sister. So we talked about Paul and Timothy a minute ago, um, and Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. Did you know that Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible and in 11 of those books, he mentions Timothy. And Timothy is actually credited as co-author of six of the 13 books. 
So Paul and Timothy walked together intimately. And I want you to hear this. This is how Paul refers to Timothy when he speaks of him in, the, in these books. He refers to him as helper, fellow worker. He refers to him as son four times. He refers to him as brother five times. Do you, do you see that? Friend, helper, fellow worker, father. He calls him son and brother. He literally calls him brother. Friend, father, brother. So how do you know who you're supposed to be a spiritual father or mother to? So number one, ask the Lord to show you who are you supposed to be a spiritual mother or father to. Number two, it should always be a mutual relationship driven by desire, not driven by obligation. So if you feel like the Lord's put on your heart, I, I need to be a spiritual mother or a spiritual father to someone, I would approach them and say, hey, let's walk together. I feel like we're supposed to walk together. It's, I feel like God put it on my heart to walk with you, to, to bless you, to support you, to pray for you. And I would submit to them, I'd say, I want you to pray about this. I want you to pray about it, and I want you to hear from the Lord, because this has to be something that you also feel is right, and that we're going to do this together. Because there's always choice. It's a, it's a relationship built on desire, not obligation. Isn't this how God, the relationship that we have with God, he doesn't want our relationship to be built on obligation, he wants a relationship where he's pouring out his love. He loved us first, and, he, and we can respond to him in love. He wants us to respond to his love, not follow him out of obligation. Well, it's like, well, I would, <laughs> I would, uh, I would do other things in my life or not serve the Lord, but I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to follow the Lord. How many know, that, is, that, is that what God wants? <laughs> no, he doesn't want a relationship built on well, I would, I really don't want, like helping people, but I, I think I'll help people because I think I should, you know. How I many know that doesn't, that's not very good? So it's born out of desire, not obligation, just like our relationship with Father God. I want to read Acts chapter 16 to you. Now this is, we talked about Paul and Timothy, and Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. And we're going to read Acts 16, verses 1 through 3. This is the account of when Paul first meets Timothy. It says, Now Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted this man to leave with him. He just meets him, and it says Paul wants this man to leave with him. Do you see the desire in Paul? See, I believe Paul was looking for spiritual sons. I think he was looking for people that he could sow into as a father that he could impart to. And so Paul has this desire 
And he eventually becomes Timothy's spiritual father. So our job as spiritual mothers and fathers is really to continue receiving from God for ourselves. Continue to grow and pursue the Lord ourselves. How many know you can't teach someone to daily pursue the Lord if you're not daily pursuing him? Again, it's the mother lamb. The mother lamb teaches, or I'm sorry, yeah, the mother lamb teaches the baby lamb how to follow and hear the voice of the shepherd by following the shepherd. So that is our role is we continue to pursue God, and it challenges us. If you start to really mentor someone, it challenges you because we want to have a life that's worth following. It's like it challenges us to go higher because we want to have a life that's worth following. It's never to replace the voice of God. It's never to become the sole voice of God in their life. Although we do partner with his voice. By the way, this is what a simple definition for the prophetic is asking God, Lord, what do you see when you look at this person? I need to know what your thoughts are for this person. There's a, a story I heard that came out of Bethel. It was one of the BSSM students, and they were having this time where they were getting prophetic, receiving prophetic words, and when they get, get your words, they were recording them or writing them down. But she was writing everybody's words down. She was just writing everybody's words, and someone was like, hey, why are you writing everybody else's words down? And she said, because I have to know, I have to see them how God sees them. I want to see them how God sees them. And that's what the prophetic is, is God is speaking. This is how I see you. How many know prophetic is for exhortation and encouragement? So I need to see what God sees so I, I can see you how he sees you, and I can encourage you in the way that he's encouraging you. So it's never to replace the voice of God, but we do partner with his voice. If you're fathering someone or mothering someone, you should be continually asking the Lord, Lord, what do you see when you look at this person? I need to see what you see when you look at this person. I need to have high beliefs for this person. I need your beliefs for this person. I love Steve Backlund's story. Uh, he was pastoring, him and his wife, Wendy, were pastoring a, a small church. And he said he was praying one day just complaining about his, his people it's like, Lord, I think we could do great things, but these people, these people, I just, why just these people that you sent me? And he goes, Steve, your pro you know what your people's problem is? They have a leader that doesn't believe in them. So we need to constantly be asking the people we're leading, God, what do you see? I need to have your beliefs for this person. I need to look at them and see what you see. Our job as a spiritual father or mother is also to pray for them on a regular basis. We see this in 2 Timothy 1.3 where Paul, referring to Timothy, says, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Spiritual fathering is about impartation. Whatever breakthroughs 
or anointing that we've received, we want to pass on to them. Spiritual fathers look for the gifts in the people they're fathering, and they fan the flames of those gifts that they see or discern. They're looking for what what has God uniquely gifted them to do. They're not trying to make them become like them and their gifts. They're trying to find out what is your gift because I want to draw that out of you and I want to fan the flame of it. You see this in 2 Timothy 1.6 where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, fan the flames of the gift of God that's on your life. What happens when we don't fan a flame of a fire? It goes out. So he's encouraging him, Timothy, I see the gifts that you have and I need you to fan the flames of those gifts. Spiritual fathers and mothers champion people. They champion the people that they're leading, and they want to see those that they are walking with go farther than them. How do you know you've done a great job if you're mentoring someone that they go farther than you? So spiritual mothers and fathers need to be secure in their identity and there's, and this is another reason, or this is another way I've seen it go wonky in churches. Is like, oh yeah, sure, I want to raise people up, but they can't go higher than me. So a good spiritual father, mother is secure. They're like, oh man, I want you to way surpass me. We see this with Jesus. What does he say? Greater works than I've done, you will do. This is fathering. You're going to do greater things than me. I'm laying a foundation for you so you can go higher. I was so proud of my daughter a couple weeks ago. She preached a message, or she preached a, port, a little bit of a message here. And I was so, proud is not even the word, beyond proud. It's just like in awe of God and what he's done. I wasn't able to stand in front of a group like that and preach until I was in my 30s. And so there was a moment where it's like this feeling of legacy of like, this is what we want to do for our kids is we want to lay this foundation where they can go farther. They can go higher. This is really like God's intent. Every generation should be able to go farther because the mother and father laid a, laid a foundation that they can build on and go farther. Amen. So spiritual mothers and fathers champion people. They're looking for people to champion. It's not about control. It's not about becoming someone's boss. It's actually, in a good way, it's a burden. It's like that guide that takes you up Mount Everest. He's taking on the burden of, like, we could all die together. It's a responsibility, it's like you're taking responsibility for someone's success. I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe the Lord God showed me this. Let me put it this way. When, when you meet Paul in heaven, I think you're going to very quickly right after meet Timothy. Because I believe that the people that we walk with in this life and that we call spiritual sons and daughters, we're going to be forever linked to in eternity. It's a big deal. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, man, I wish I would have had one person that could call me a spiritual father. Like, in, in a real sense, like, that I'm walking with them. Like, that we're doing this together. That they know they could call me anytime.
I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. I'm reading in the Amplified, and then in a minute we're going to read it in the Passion also. So in the Amplified, it reads like this. For even if you were to have 10,000 teachers to guide you in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers who led you to Christ and assumed responsibility for you. For I became your father in Christ through the good news of salvation. So it says, you have tons of teachers, multitude of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. How many know the roles of teachers and fathers is very different? And we need, and we need both. But there's a, a huge lack of fathers and mothers who will just sacrifice their, some of their time to sow into someone else's life. There's so many people that want to teach. I'll, I'll teach. But there's not many people that want to lay down part of their life and father someone. Fathers function different than teachers. Teachers impart knowledge, and we need that. But fathering means I'm going to walk with you. Sure, I have things that the Lord's taught me that I'll teach you, but then I'm going to walk with you. Teachers can just say, here it is. Here's the map. There's the mountain. I'm for you. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. I'll be praying for you. I love that the Amplified Bible says, they led you to Christ and they assumed responsibility for you. It's a responsibility. Fathers and mothers realize that their life isn't just about them, but it's about being other people focused and asking, how can I assist and bless the next generation? How can I pass on what God's done in my life to the next generation so that what God's done in my life doesn't die with me? Here's how that same verse reads in the Passion. He says, I'm not writing this to embarrass you or to shame you, but to correct you as the children that I love. For although you, ha you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. Fathers never criticize, but they speak the truth in love. How many know it's easy to criticize? You're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, and this is not right. That's really easy to do that. It's what fathers actually are called to do is speak the truth in love. How many know it's not loving if you see someone's about to walk in a pit to just not tell them? Well, they look like they really want to go in that pit. They're, they seem pretty determined. So, you know, they'll figure it out. They'll fall in that pit and hopefully they won't do it again. No, that's not loving. It's love to say, hey, because I love you, because I care about you, because of our relationship that we have, I really am encouraging you not to walk into this pit. There's a pit in front of you that you're about to walk right into. And I don't want to see you fall in that pit because I care about you. Maybe it's a pit that we fell in in our past. We're like, I've been in that pit. This is going to hurt. And because I care about you, I need to tell you about that. It's not loving if someone's about to drink poison to be like, well, they want, they, they look like they really want that poison. Yeah, just go ahead and drink the poison. No, it's, it's loving to say like, hey, that's, that's going to hurt if you drink that. 
and I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to be successful. I want you to be blessed. Fathers correct out of the love they have for the person because they care about and they're invested in the life of the person. So there's always tensions in life. And there's a tension in life of receiving from God and also receiving from people that God has placed around us. Bill Johnson said it best when he said this. He said, there are times in our lives when the Lord will not satisfy you with what you can get from the people around you. Where there are things that you can only get directly from him. But there are other times where the Lord has sealed up the answer in the mouth of a friend or a spiritual father. It's part of the journey is loving people. Love God, love people. That's the journey. And the Lord has some things that we can only get from him. And the Lord has other things that we have to walk with people in humility and be open and be vulnerable. And we're going to receive things from people around us. It's in the word, James 5.16. You can go look at it later. So we receive wisdom from spiritual fathers and mothers through humility and sharing our life's challenges and struggles with them. So that's one thing that is on my heart is if you don't actively walk with people, they're not likely to open up when they're struggling. They're, they're more likely to be like, well, I want to ha- look like I have it all together. But when you walk with someone, you want to open up this thing where it's like, hey, don't hide anything. Because that's why I'm here. I, I want to actually walk with you on the hard things, on the struggles, on the things that you feel like you're, you're failing in. That's, that's actually why I'm here, to pray through, with you through those things. But if we don't have this environment where there's spiritual fathers and mothers, we can get into, well, I want to just pretend I have it all together. I don't want people to judge me. I don't want to lose connection. If people knew what I was going through, maybe they wouldn't love me. So a spiritual father and mother send the message constantly like, my love is unconditional. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Love doesn't turn off, and I'm gonna, we're going to work through things together. I believe that every mature believer is called to be a spiritual father or mother. There's definitely times where you come into the faith, if you're a brand new believer, where you just need to receive. You just, you're that little baby that's like, I need to be adored. <laughs> and there's, there's, those are great seasons, and I've went through those seasons. I need to just be lover, the Father's love just poured out. I, I need to just receive. I need to just drink milk. And that's, those are great seasons. And if you're in that season, enjoy it. It's like awesome. Soak it up. And we never, we never stay out of that receive mode. I'm not trying to say we leave that mode of just receiving love. Of course not. But there's a time when we have received and we're growing and we're like, now I've gotten my own breakthroughs. I've gotten my own track record with the Lord. I've learned how to discern his voice like that lamb that grows up. Now I, I want to show someone else. I want to I pay it forward, so to speak.
Don't let what God has done in your life die with you. The victories that you've won, the lessons learned, the battles that you've overcome, they're all meant to be passed on to the next generation so that they can go farther than you. In the, in the relay race, how many have ever watched the relay race where they're passing the baton? Have you ever seen somebody pass the baton and then take off their uniform and just head to the locker room? They got it. You know, they t this, this talks about this in uh, Hebrews 11 and 12. It talks about all the people that are cheering for us because they've passed the baton, the baton to us. And now they're watching to see how we finish. And so this is, this is what spiritual mothers and fathers do is they pass the baton to the next generation, but then they're there with them, cheering for them. They don't take off the gym clothes and walk to the locker room. They're like, I'm here. And actually, what the interesting thing is, is their success, part of their success, and part of how they'll be seen in eternity, it talks about this in Hebrews 11, is based on how the next person does. That just baffles my mind. It's based on how the next group of people do. Some of you may say, I'm not sure how to do this because I've never had that. But again, here's something amazing. In the Lord, we can become what we never had. In the Lord, we can become what we never had. We're, in, we're intergeneration and in a time in our world where so many people need someone to walk with them. So many people are like praying. Like, God, I just wish I had someone to walk with me. Like, yes, we need to not forsake assembling. This is so important to be here. Yes, home groups, they're awesome, and they help us connect to people. They help people connect to each other, and they're amazing, and we're going to continue to do that. But this piece, I feel like we need to start stepping into. There's so many people that are, like, falling out, falling away, going back to their old life because they didn't have someone that said, I want to walk with you. They didn't have a person that they felt like, Hey, everything's going wrong, and I don't, I don't have one person I feel like I could call and say, hey, I'm a mess. I need prayer. Help. <laughs> this is what you get in spiritual fathering, and you need to have that open relationship of like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to walk with you. You don't have to go up the mountain on your own. Yeah, again, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I, I really wish I had an impact on someone. I wish someone out there could have called me their spiritual father. This, maybe even just one person. Someone could have called me their spiritual mother. Or I wish I would have passed the breakthroughs that I've gotten in my life to someone else. Our breakthroughs are never just for us. I remember... <laughs> I remember having a conversation with God once, and I was just thanking him because, like, I, I feel like he's just so faithful to give me messages every week. 
Like, I just feel like, man, every week, God, it just seems like you give me exactly, you know, like what, what I need and what the people need. And I'm just so thankful. And I was just like, thank you for just doing that for me, for loving me so much. And, and he's like, yeah, I do, I do love you a lot. Yeah, that, that's part of the reason why I do that. But he's like, but it's for them. Like, I love them. It's like, that's why I'm so faithful to give you the messages. It's not just because I love you. It's because I love all of them. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Sorry if this was a little heavier of a message. I felt like it, it was a little heavier for me even. And I feel like it's just the start of this conversation. I, this has been on my heart for years, but I was like, I, I don't know how to do this. How do I do this? Like, what, is this, what does this look like? And, and honestly, for years, I was like, Lord, send that person to me. Like, I didn't have a great dad experience. I've had important men in my life that spoke into my life, but I've never had someone that walked with me. And so for years, I was like, Lord, I, how, do, how can I do this? I need someone to do this for me. And, and honestly, I'm just, I'm ready to be like, Lord, I need to do this for somebody else. I need to do this for a group of other people. And if you want to send someone to me, I'm open, but I'm not going to wait anymore. So I feel like this is just the beginning of the conversation. We're going to kind of figure this out and walk this out together. Jesus, we just thank you so much. You are such a good dad. You are such a good dad. Father, you're such a good dad. And Jesus, you are such a good brother. You're a good savior. And so, Father, we just pray that you would just help us to step into this. That you'd fill us, fill us, Father God. And we thank you that in the Lord we can become what we never had. And that this is something on your heart. We see it with Paul. We see it with Jesus. We see them blessing the next generation and pouring into them. We see them... Be with Paul, with Timothy, becoming a friend, becoming a father, and becoming a brother. So God, show us how to step into this. Rearrange the furniture that needs to be arranged, rearranged. And we just want to see everything that you've destined each one here to, to step into, to get breakthrough in. We want to see them get the breakthroughs and step into everything that you've called them to. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.